Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of our Innovation in Energy podcast series. My name is Steve Jennings and I lead PwC's energy and utilities practice in the UK. In 2019, the UK government was the first advanced economy to set a net zero decarbonisation target to be reached by 2050, and many countries have followed suit. Almost 200 global businesses have set similar ambitions, and many in the energy industry, including the likes of National Grid in the UK, Repsol in Spain, and Equinor in Norway. Now, the challenge now is how to deliver this net zero target. And what is clear is there is no single silver bullet to address this. Instead, there will be a number of pathways from renewables, nuclear, carbon capture usage and storage to reforestation and behavioral change. All of these complementing each other to achieve this ambitious goal. Now, with that in mind, and as we eagerly await the government to set out its stall in an energy white paper, we shall, over coming episodes, look at these different technologies and solutions. And today we will be discussing new nuclear and carbon capture usage and storage. And I'm delighted to be joined by Julia Pike, Nuclear Development Director at EDF, and Helen Little, President of the Carbon Capture and Storage Association. So Julia, perhaps we may start with you. What is the outlook for nuclear energy in the UK? Hi, Steve. Well, I think the outlook for nuclear in the UK is really positive. I think if we look at how are we going to achieve net zero, we need to look at how have other countries actually got net zero compatible energy systems. So there's a fantastic app, which is free, which I'd encourage anybody interested in the power sector to download, which is called Electricity Map. If you look at Electricity Map, you can see that some countries are always green, and some countries are occasionally green, quite often yellow, sometimes brown. And what the green countries have in common is either that they have a lot of natural geography like geothermal or hydro, or the replicable systems where you're a country which doesn't have a lot of geothermal or hydro potential have a mixture of renewables and nuclear. So what we'd say is when we're looking at what can we do, let's look at what actually works. And what actually works is a mixture of um, nuclear and renewables. So if you look at France, or you look at um, Sweden in particular, they've decarbonised hugely and very quickly using that mix. So in the UK, the power sector represents about only about 15% of total greenhouse emissions. But what we're looking at is a huge increase in the use of electricity as we look to decarbonise other sectors. So whether or not we're going to do that by making hydrogen and heating homes with hydrogen, or whether or not we're looking at how to decarbonise transport, we're probably looking at an increase in the use of electricity, as well, of course, at decarbonising gas through CCUS, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. So the power sector has been quite successful in decarbonising, but it's got a long way to go. At the moment, nuclear produces round about 20% of the UK's electricity, and that's more than half, generally speaking. It's around half of the um, low-carbon electricity in the UK. The challenge we have is that over the next 10 years, the UK's nuclear power stations are actually turning off. They were built in the 70s and 80s. They've reached the end of their lives. And we really need to replace them. And to replace them, we really need to get moving with some decision-making. So we're building Hinkley Point C in the southwest of England and that will produce about 7% of current electricity demand. And 
I should also mention that while nuclear power stations are famously quite expensive to build, that's because they're massive. It's because they produce an awful lot of electricity. It's very expensive to make 7% of the nation's electricity from any form. It's just that with nuclear, you build it all in one place, all at one time. So they are, in fact, extremely cost-effective. And not only are they extremely cost-effective for consumers in the long term, they are also extremely low carbon. So you can offset all the carbon dioxide emissions from constructing a nuclear power station in the first few months of operation. And then we have one of the lowest carbon footprints of any way of making electricity. The last thing I'd just like to mention is that um, we're looking at innovation. So in the UK, we've traditionally used nuclear only to make electricity for the grid. What we are actually is a massive heat source. So we're looking at ways that we can also use that heat to help decarbonise heating alongside, for example, carbon capture and storage, and how we can use it for storage and how we can work really closely with the renewables industry to have like combined centres for making hydrogen like from uh, excess electricity or to um, we're looking at cryo batteries. So generally we're looking at how can we use them most creatively for the greatest benefit to consumers. Thanks, Julia. And whilst our listeners are, are mid, in the middle of downloading that app, I would encourage them also to download another app that shows the source of gen different, different generation technologies and the source of our power on a daily basis. Another excellent app. But I want to return, if I may, Julia, to your words. I think you said famously expensive to build. Um, and obviously, a lot of people talk about the cost of nuclear. How do you see the funding of nuclear sta stations evolving in the future and specifically in the UK? It's a really good question. Following the Hinky Point C build, the National Audit Office suggested that the government looked at different ways of financing nuclear. The reason nuclear is a particularly interesting issue to finance is because it has a very long construction period. For Hinkley Point C, we rolled up interest on the um, money for the better part of 10, 12 years before any money is paid out, that's an expensive thing to do. If anybody thinks about rolling up the interest on their own personal credit card for a long period of time, that's expensive. So we're looking at how can we do it more cost effectively. And th there are really two, two different ways of doing it. One is to look at a mechanism called the regulated asset-based model. So the government consulted on using a regulated asset-based model in the summer, and we are waiting for a response from the government to that consultation. And that's how um, we've thought about financing Sizewell, which is the power station we'd like to build on the east coast of England next to Sizewell B. Sizewell will be an exact copy of Hinkley. And because we'd start off with a mature design, that really brings down construction risk. If you start off with a design that you know, then you know your quantities of steel, aggregate, cable, equipment. That's about half the cost. So that means that the cost overrun risk is hugely reduced, and that's why we think it's possible for the government to look at the regulated asset-based model for Sizewell. Equally, we are ourselves agnostic to the funding model. If the government chooses to fund this directly out of taxpayer funding, then you know that's also great. I think what I'd mostly say about the funding model is that we should all remember that last year, global carbon emissions were the highest they have ever been. And so whether or not it's funded by the private sector through the regulated asset-based model or it's funded by the public sector directly, what we really need to do is to get on with building some low-carbon electricity. Thanks, Julia. That was, uh, that was very helpful. I may return to you at the end with another question, if that's okay, around nuclear. That's great. Um, but, but before that, I'd like to, to, to bring Helen into the debate. Welcome, Helen. Um, 
We've used the acronym CCS and CCUS, Carbon Capture, Storage and Utilisation. It's been around for some time, hasn't it? Carbon capture and storage has been around for almost all of my working life, but it's really come into its own with the net zero commitment because uh, with net zero, carbon capture, storage and use becomes essential, not an added extra. We can't do it otherwise. And also this year is going to see COP26 in Glasgow. So the focus is going to be on the United Kingdom and what we are doing about our carbon uh, emissions. Now, there are about 18 large scale projects globally capturing about 33 megatons of CO2 annually. And it's not just power, it's the energy intensive industries as well. And if you think about it, we are we need our iron and steel, we need, need our heavy industries in a, in a developed country like our own. But there are also developing countries who want to have those kind of technologies. If they're going to have those technologies, we need to link them in with carbon capture, storage and use. And one of the exciting things at the moment is what's been done in the steel industry, the whole idea of clean steel. But you're right in that it's been around for a long time. It's had some problems. A couple of years ago, we were all very concerned that the sector may not do particularly well, but net zero really did change that. And now we see that the government is very committed. We've seen a big change in the focus on carbon capture and storage. And also, it is very useful to see that in the Conservative Party, manifesto in the recent election, 800 million has been set aside for carbon programmes. That's great news. And for those who think it's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, it's not. This is happening now. There are great opportunities in the supply chain right now, because by the middle of this year, there is the prospect of projects up and running in clusters in places like Teesside, St Fergus, uh, Grangemouth, South Wales, Middlesbrough. These are there are great opportunities there for carbon capture to, to flourish. Helen, you, you, you're so right. It has been around for a number of years. But, uh, but I agree. I think we are at the tipping point. Um, uh, and as I understand it, we've already got demonstration technologies actually in action, some of which are actually blending hydrogen. Um, uh, how is that progressing? Well, the clean steel model blends hydrogen, has the potential to blend hydrogen as well. But you also have great developments like Drax. Drax have had a really very sort of clever program where they are incorporating CCUS into uh, power generation. They did a pilot in 2018 and they got seven, about £7 million in funding from the government. And they are now at the stage where they are bringing bioenergy alongside carbon capture and storage. And they, they went live in 2019. Now the evaluation of that is going on. And I wakened up just after New Year to hear in the radio that Microsoft have now started out with a carbon negative programme, which is absolutely fascinating. And with my obsessions, I went through everything they've produced and they actually talk about carbon capture as part of that, uh, because otherwise it wouldn't work, frankly. And they have a climate innovation fund of $1 billion US. So suddenly carbon Carbon capture is the place to be, which is terrific in terms of economic growth. It's terrific in terms of regional economic development, but it's particularly good in relation to cutting our carbon emissions. The, the short term target is by 2024 to have projects that are capturing about 10 million megatons. Uh, 10, 10 megat 
10 megatons uh, of carbon. And that, that uh, nobody would have dreamt of that some time ago. Right, it's moving so fast, isn't it? Almost every day it goes by, there's another announcement from a company committing to, to net zero. Um, and as we enter the new, new decade, um, I, uh, and as you said, Helen, we approach COP26, which has been hosted in, in the UK, in Glasgow, uh, in 2020. Um, so if I may ask a supplementary question, we've talked a lot about the, the two technologies, but I'm interested also in the business models that are going to support these technologies and, and how we're going to bring the technologies to life through different business and commercial models. H- Helen, thoughts on CCUS? You're absolutely spot on. That's absolutely critical because people now need to see reality and the reality is that this is going to happen. The business models are critical. Once we, we get the business models sorted out, then everybody can move. And I'm sure Julia is in pretty much the same boat with with the nuclear industry. Yeah, I totally agree, Helen. We're basically agnostic about the business model. We need to get costs down for consumers. We're happy with the regulated asset-based model that government's consulted on. We're happy if government wants to fund it out of taxation. Either is great, provided it brings down costs for consumers, and most importantly, that we get on with actually building some low-carbon generating capacity and addressing our carbon emissions. Um, a final question for you both, if that's okay. Um, what do you think is the most critical factor to accelerate successful deployment of these two technologies? And Julie, if I could start with nuclear, first of all. Well, what we need is a decision from government, which is going to enable us to make a copy of Hinkley at Sizewell. There's a really fantastic opportunity to show that nuclear can reduce costs through copying. But it's an opportunity which obviously has an, an optimal time, because as the experienced team from Hinkley starts to finish Hinkley and move on to other things... We need them to be moving on to size well, so we have a mature design and an experienced team. Nuclear is absolutely fantastic boost for the regional economy. We offer fantastic skills training. We have 25,000 job roles across each project, which actually, when you take into account the wider supply chain, is around 40,000 jobs. The jobs are all over the UK. They're in the region, so in the southwest for Hinkley. They're in the east of England, so jobs in places like Lowestoft, Great Yarmouth in um, Suffolk, but they're also in the north. We've got some of our really um, high-skilled manufacturing taking place in some great factories around um, Sedgefield, in Humberside. And so I think I'd just say again that we have to remember that last year global carbon emissions went up, and so we need some decisions which enable us to get going, nuclear and CCUS, on um, bringing carbon emissions down while producing secure electricity supplies for consumers. And Helen, what do you think is the most critical element for CCUS? I think one of the most vital things is certainty. If we have certainty that this is going ahead, companies have the opportunity then to invest, not just directly, but also in the supply chain. And there are huge opportunities that are around in the sector. As Julia is saying, we, we can't muck about much longer on what we're going to do about carbon. As, as Sir David Attenborough has pointed out, the crisis is now, it's happening now. We have the technologies that can deal with this and there are huge opportunities particularly with the, the government's action plan on carbon capture and storage to create new job opportunities new technologies we're not alone in this game we could be world leaders but we have to look and see what's happening in norway and what's happening in the united states so there are opportunities there the issue is are we going to seize them i think the climate has never been better to seize these opportunities both with nuclear 
and with carbon capture, storage and utilisation. Great summaries. Um, and as you say, I think you know, the opportunities there, significant challenges, um, but significant opportunities for, for the UK. And um, Julian, Helen, thank you so much for participating in this podcast and for sharing your valuable perspectives on nuclear energy and carbon capture usage and storage. It is a really exciting time for the UK as we seek to maintain a leading role in the green energy revolution. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you'd like further details on what PwC is doing in this area or around net zero, please do get in touch. Music